This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen, amen. So today I will more than likely be closing my portion on God's purpose in the family. And again, we've been talking about the purpose image of the male, the husband and the father. And don't get me wrong, Jesus Christ is the pattern for every man, and we're talking about mankind. We're specifically talking about the male. And again, that is our subtitle, Jesus Christ, the pattern for every man. And I thought it was so appropriate just to uh, you know, share, y'all, share with you all the story about my niece, what she told me when I got back home, because you know, there's a call that the male needs to adhere to to make sure his family adheres to it, and that's to produce spiritually and emotionally established believers who in turn gets God redemptive work done on the earth. And that is his redemptive work, to leave a deposit here so that you can leave a deposit. That's what it's all about. And God has called us all to this purpose, out of the kingdom, out of, the kingdom of darkness into his dear son. And his dear son is Jesus, who is the pattern for every man. And we said that God has positioned the male in the family just as he positioned Adam in the garden, to dress it and to keep it and to work the family. Because family is work. Family is something that you have to be prepared for. And that's the reason we're having these, these teachings here, to make sure that we're all on one accord so that we can get what God has called us to do done on this earth. And he's positioned the male with the responsibility and the purpose to lead and to guide his family. And we said that as a male, your, your family is what you should consider your vocation, your career. That should, that should have your undivided attention. You shouldn't be distracted with the cares of this world, the lust of your flesh, the deceitfulness of riches. Your family, that should be your career. And it's a lifetime of work. You said that the male is to cultivate, to protect, to nurture, to attend to, to preserve, to watch, to counsel, and to guard his family. These are all things that the male has been, the male has been charged with. And I'm sorry, you know, coming back here into to Austin, Texas, we, we ran into some allergies. It's so amazing, you know. You come out of the country, and it was almost like clockwork. When we hit Austin, it was like all of us all of a sudden start feeling it. Then I saw Sarah's song. I don't know if y'all saw her song she put on Facebook about allergies, but it was right on the money. So I'm dealing with that a little bit today, but it's all good. God is good. So our focus in this portion of family life has been to discover what is the purpose image of the male so that we can adhere to that. So I took us last week all the way back to the beginning of the purpose of the family that we started back in June, I believe. Like I said, it's been about six or seven months. Back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, where the Lord has said to Abraham, Go from your country, from your people, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And we said that what he was telling us here was to leave the ways and the flow of this world and to cleave to a new position, a new foothold that he, has given, that he will show us. And he has shown us that. The, the new foothold, the, new, the thing that he was going to show us is the pattern, the pattern of Jesus Christ. That's the new position that he has prepared for us. It's a position of purpose, a land that flows with milk and honey. And that, like I said, the land for us is Christ, the hope of glory. And then I asked the question last week, why would God, God call Abraham out like that? And I said, furthermore, in Genesis chapter 18, verse, verse 19, it was because, and God said, for I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, that they shall keep the ways of the Lord to do justice and judgment. See, we, he, he knew that Abraham was going to adhere to the call to produce spiritually and emotionally mature established believers who in turn get God's redemptive work done on the earth. He knew that. That's why he told him, get thee to a place that I'm going to show you. Because after you get to that place, you can go back and get your family. But I need to get you positioned. I need you to get you out of the flow of this world. I need to get you a new pattern. The pattern that is for every man. 
And then he said in Genesis 28, verse 14, And in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. See, if you adhere to his purpose, not only will your family be blessed, but outward, remember that outward, upward, inward, and outward, that all the other families of the earth will be blessed. And what do we say about Abraham? What was the key thing that he did? Abraham believed in God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And in like manner, if we believed on Jesus, it's been counted to us for righteousness. And then we reference Galatians chapter 3 again, and I'm just going to read the Latin part of it. It says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ. See, it's been counted to you for righteousness by faith in Christ. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to that very same promise. And then we went to Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29, and it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he, whom he has known beforehand, he has also, also predestined to bear the likeness of his Son. See, that was the answer right, right there. He predestined you to carry the likeness and the image of his son, that he might be the eldest or the firstborn in a vast family of brothers. And we looked at that word eldest, or elder, if you will, and we saw that it, it meant to be the example or one to learn from, or the mentor, the model, the pattern, the father, or the patriarch. And if you, like I said, if you've been called according to his purpose, then he has a different pattern for you than the flow of this world. Because Jesus Christ is the pattern for every man. He is the everlasting father. Jesus Christ is the founder or the originator or progenitor of a new people, a new creature, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a holy nation. He has a whole new order of people. That's what makes him our, the father of our eternity, the captain of your salvation, our everlasting father. And so we looked at Jesus Christ and saw what his image is, or we saw what he is in Colossians chapter 1, the seven characteristics of Christ. He is the image of God, the firstborn over creation. And you can read this if you didn't, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20. But he is the image of God, the firstborn over creation, the creator of the universe, the head of the church, the firstborn from the dead to be raised in an immortal body the fullness of God, and the reconciler of all things. And we said, what do we need to pull from that? We need to pull that he is preeminent in all things. And he needs to be preeminent in all things in your life as well. Christ has to come first. See, when he comes first, that, that's when you know you're walking on purpose. Once you run everything through that filter, that's how you know you're walking on purpose. But he has to be first in your life. He has to be your elder. He has to be your patriarch. He has to be your model. And again, we said that his model, his pattern, is the will of the Father. And if you follow that will, that's what makes us the family of Jesus. That's what makes him your everlasting Father. It's a pattern of obedience. It's a pattern of service. Uh, I love how Minister, Minister Martin said that act of faith, it's a pattern of action. You're not going to just sit still. It's a pattern of action. And we said that success as a male and a father comes when you realize this one fact. It's not about you. It's about service. Service to your family. Service to, the, service to the Lord by serving your family. By being the man that God has called you today. But we also said that that is the issue today. Many men nowadays, you know, they think it's about them. They think it's about what they want. They think that they, you know, their image should be a certain different way. And, and that's because the ways of this world have seeped in. It's seeped into the church. It's seeped into the, the, the hearts and minds of the believers. And that's what they've grabbed a hold to. They begin to worship the creature more than the creator but the creator has purpose he knows what you've been created for 
So that's who we should follow. I said, you know, some likes to believe that because the male was formed first that he has priority in relationship with God or that he's the main concern of God and he can do what he wants to. But we've, we've known, as we've been saying over the past five weeks, that being formed first, ha- first has nothing to do with, being pri- with priority in relationship, but has everything to do with, God, with what God has positioned you to do. See, we all, have to, we all have a position and a role to play. And, and so, you know, males who want to be formed first, well, there's a, there's a responsibility that comes with that that comes with that position. It's not about what you want. It's not about, well, that means I get to make all the decisions. No, that, that doesn't, your decisions need to go through Christ. But you need to direct your family that way. There comes a responsibility in that position. A godly man is one that knows God's intended position for him, and he chases after that. Like I said, it's a daily thing. Certain things you have to, you have to leave from this world and cleave to Christ. And make sure your family sees this. And make sure that your family is following in your footsteps as well. Fixing your heart and your mind on the purpose of God that God has for you. And we said before that many men, you know, they're saved, they're baptized and filled with the Spirit, but they don't know what God has intended them to be. And for this very reason, they're not able to overcome. They're always stuck in the cycles of life and bringing their family with them. But it has nothing to do with superiority. It's all about service. Like I said, service to the Lord. And to approach your family with any other type of attitude, that's where the division comes from. When it, when, it, when it leaves the, the point of service and, it, and you start getting into that superiority, that's, that's when the division comes in. That's when all the, the, the frustrations come in and the laziness comes in and abusiveness and insecurities come in. So we looked in Philippians and we saw that it causes, Philippians chapter 2, we're not going to go there again, but we saw that it causes strife and contention and argument, conflict in the home. Because, you know, it's self-conceiting and vainglory that's involved with all those things. When you move from Christ in the center, when you move from that pattern, it causes all these things in the home. But we also saw in Philippians 2, and I believe it was verse 7 or 8, that it says that you have to empty yourself. You know, he made of himself no reputation. And he is the pattern. And since we're following him, we have to empty ourselves of ourselves. Replace with what we have or what we think is supposed to be right. Replace with what Christ has for us. Become servant. We have to remember that the highest priority is the direction of the home. And if you're not pleased with the direction of your home, then Father needs to check what's, what's going on. Father needs to start with himself. Have you become servant? Have you emptied yourself of yourself? And we reference Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 5, and we said that the Father has to make sure he removes the beam from his own eye first before you start throwing the blame around. You know, oh, well, she did the, what, what did Adam say? It's this woman you gave me, God. God is like, but you're supposed to wash your, your wife with the word. I gave the commandment to you. Start with yourself. The family's in the hand of the man whether he knows it or not. And if the home is not going the direction that God's ordained it, it's the father's responsibility to put things right. It's not mama's responsibility. It's the father's. Uh, the, the woman was brought there to be the help meet. But... In order to help me properly, Father has to have the direction first. It's Father's responsibility. So when you're judging the condition of your home, make sure that there's nothing holding you up, males. <clears throat> make sure there's nothing holding you up from being in the position God has called you to be. If you see something out of order in your home, check with yourself first. Is there something that my family has seen in me that's causing them to stumble? 
instead of automatically going straight to them and saying, you're doing this wrong. Because let me tell you something, nine times out of ten, if you can go to them and say, you're doing this wrong, they can turn right around and say, yeah, but you're doing this wrong. Because that's where it starts. Uh, and and you, you're not going to make God's word a lie. You can lie to yourself, but you're not going to make God's word a lie. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Because we've seen over these past few weeks that it's about giving your life for your family. That is the pattern for every man. So we're going to start at verse 25 again. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. And it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. See, there it is right there. You have to love as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Giving yourself is a little bit different than always thinking that you're superior. Always thinking about what you want or what you think the family needs. Uh, giving yourself for your family means I have to search out what God has for them. That, and like I said before, you know, loving your family, loving your wife as Christ loved the church, that's a lifetime of work. There's no breaks in that. You know, we just took a vacation. There's no vacation from that. And a little side note, one thing that just blessed me so much. All the ministers, the ones who went on the vacation with me, all of them brought their Bible with them. There's no vacation from Christ. There's no, I'm going to take a break. No, no. There's no vacation from that. Uh, males. Uh, and it's funny, and I don't know if the, if the women and the wives brought their Bible, but I, I do know that I saw that all the men had theirs. See, that's living on purpose. No matter where I am. But see, if these things are in your mind, and uh, you start running into, the, into things like the out-of-control wife. We talked about the out-of-control wife. You know, the one who does her own thing, spends her money, and then tells you about it afterwards. Uh, I say her money because she's spending it. Inconsistent with raising the children. Discipline one day, and then let them get away with it the other day. Talks too much. Always in other business other people's business, always talking to other people about her husband and, her, and his decisions, criticizing him to other people, manipulates the family or the husband through tears, through sex, I'm going to withhold that from him, or you out in the doghouse, well I paid for this house and the doghouse, so, but you out in the doghouse, see that's an out of control wife, but, but see, like I said, the out of control wife, all that should show you is that you haven't been loving as Christ loved the church, and gave himself for it. See, that, that's, remember, that's the dynamics of marriage. The wife will submit, because that's her service to the Lord, but if the husband is given his life, as Christ gave his life for the church. That's, they're the dynamics. That's your yin and yang, if you will. Those are the dynamics. Husband, first you have to love as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And then watch your wife submit. Because it's a process, right? Washing with the water of the word, then watch her submit. And remember what we said before, washing with the water of the word is, is more than just reading the word to him. It's action. Like I, like I said, I love when Minister Martin said, active faith, it's gonna, it's gonna, true faith is going to light a fire under you. But I said that before, it's gonna light a, you're going to get up and make moves uh, for your family. Like I said, being, being hard and tough will not correct the out of, the out of control wife. Just loving as Christ loved the church. 
And then we read in verse 23 of Ephesians 5, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. So, so he's the Savior of the body. That means just as, you know, the husband and wife cleave, they, they come together and become one flesh, that means the husband is the deliverer of his wife, not the dictator. Uh, you deliver her and your family by washing them with the water of the word. Uh, that's your responsibility. Fathers, husbands, males, sanctifying and cleansing your family. Subtracting the ways of the old man. Emptying yourself. See, when they see you empty yourself of who you think you are, then the family can follow those same footsteps. And then sanctifying, adding the things of Christ. That's what you wash yourself with. The things of Christ. Just as he's done for the church. But again, we have to remember, God first gave this commandment to Adam. And when he starts slacking on this commandment, what happened? Eve was deceived. It's this woman you gave me. No, I gave you the commandment, Adam. So we have to, we have to diligently chase after that purpose. Diligently chase after what God has for us. And we said that a man without the knowledge of purpose is destined for failure. And he's going to take his family with him. A man without the knowledge of purpose is frustrated and easily distracted. And that's the first thing that we came to. And we said frustrated is a feeling of distress because of an inability to change, perceive, or achieve something. We said the frustrations prevent one from progressing and succeeding in purpose. You're not able to focus on purpose because your mind is preoccupied, inattentive, or worried. Distracted. We said that the high, you know, your, your highest priority, males make it personal, your highest priority will be the direction of your home. Because if you haven't made God your priority, whatever you've made your priority, that will be the direction of your home. See, that's, that's a principle at work is right there. It's just like reap a soul. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Whatever you've made your priority, that's what's going to be the direction of your home. And if you haven't made God your priority, when you, when you face sufferings, you know, that for his name's sake, it'll cause you to move. It'll cause you to, to quit being fixed on the pattern for every man, Jesus Christ. It'll cause you to be worried. It'll cause you to fix, fix your eyes on things like money. Maybe that can fix my issue. Prestige, degrees, cars, houses, things like that. Things that the world say, oh, this is what you need. Oh, you need to make this, oh, get you a degree so you can make a little bit more money. Listen, it's, all these things are proper in their place, but God needs to be first. And we went through some of the frustrations that you can have with your children. And bottom line is, because I'm not going to go through all these things again, but bottom line is, you have to stay consistent with the correction of your children. But in order to be consistent in correction, you have to be consistent in your walk. Because correction doesn't mean a thing if you're not walking it. You've you got to take responsibility, Father. Quit pushing your, your job as Father to correct, to, to command the ways of, to command in the ways of the Lord. Quit looking at other people to do your job. Quit looking at, at teachers at school. Quit looking at coaches. Quit looking at the ones who teach, teach back in the back here to do your job. 
Because even if they do come here and get the word for themselves, if you're not if you're not undergirding that and reinforcing that in your home, guess what? It's in one ear, not the other. Just like it's happening to you. Remember that all the permanent things in your children's life, those are learned at home. The response to things in life, those are learned at home. It's so amazing to me, like I said before, I, I said the wife takes the, 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 the last name of the husband. The things that she does, those are learned at home from you as well. Oh, she learned that from her mom. Her dad. You know what? In marriage, you know, my mom and my dad, I'm looking at their marriage. She, she lived with my father longer than she ever lived with her mother and her sisters and brothers. She was, a, she was no longer a Wilson. She's a Hill. Uh, things that she shows forth now have been learned in her home from her husband who's under his authority. You know, the, you know the line of submission. So don't take this the wrong way, but husbands, your wives are your children too. Don't take it the wrong way. Do not treat her like a child. But this is your seed. Do you understand what I'm saying? Same way, preparation, even though it's on a different level, the same way you're preparing your children, you need to prepare your wife. You're washing her with the water of the word. So that she can help prepare your children. So she can be the help meet. So that your family can show the world the love of God. We're talking about frustration with your wife. It all goes back to you washing with the water of the word. See, washing with the water of the word, like we said, it, there's action in that. We said that you have to love your, you have to please your wife spiritually. Oh, spiritually as well. Uh, emotionally, physically as well. She comes first. She comes first. Touch her heart like Christ has touched your heart. Never the same. I, I tell you this, I've, I've, I've never been the same since the day Christ touched my heart. That's the way that the husband should touch the heart of, her, of his wife. Giving himself up. So that she's never, she's never so that she doesn't have a wondering eye. Can nobody touch can nobody touch her heart like you can? All the words of flattery and things like that. Listen, I flatter my wife enough. Everything else can touch her heart. Uh, sometimes you don't even have to say anything. It's all in your walk. It's evident. Things that you're willing to give up. Time that you're willing to spend. I gave the example of, of the, and I said this is just for me, but I go out to lunch with my wife every day. Uh, yeah, it's a sacrifice, but I love it. And guess what? She does too. And in those times that you spend with her, make sure that you're washing with the word thing. Then you can, you can actually tell her some of those things. And then they make sense because she's like, oh, well, he is sacrificing. Oh, he's here with me. Oh, I know what he's doing. Make yourself accountable to your wife. You'll deal with those frustrations. Like I said, it's all about service. <clears throat> And that goes from uh, physical service and service in the bedroom. Listen, we said if you focus on serving, if, if you find pleasure in service, then guess what? When you serve, everybody served. You don't have to worry about it. I'm get, i I got to get mines. Listen, that's not a heart of a servant anyway. That, that's, that's just that shows forth in other things too. That's just another way that it's showing. She comes first. Short, like I said, touch her heart like no one else has touched her heart before. And watch her submit. 
That, that out of control white thing, it'll be out the window. But you must first love as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And then we also said that a man without the knowledge of purpose, well, I'm sorry, we also went through frustrations with your jobs and desires for more money. I have to touch on this again. I was going to skip it, but I have to touch on this again because we, we saw that in Timothy it says that a man that would be rich pierces himself through with many sorrows because they're after what they consider great gain. But it said in that verse 6 in Timothy, it says godliness with contentment bring great gain. No, we were out of town. We started talking about a few things, and you know, some of these parents that would be rich, that are willing to pass their children to the fire, piercing themselves through with many sorrows. Not long ago, there was an artist. I'm not going to mention his name, but I'm sure y'all know it. There was an artist who, and he's been around for years, but he was basically preying on these younger females. You know, telling them, oh, you can come here at this concert, I'm going to help you, I'm going to let you do this, you're going to get this type of money. And he was taking them away from their families and he had them all in the house. But the issue starts with the parents at home. See, they saw that meal ticket and then they pierced them through with many sorrows. Willing just to pass their children through the fire. Giving it up. And then here it is years later, children, you know, the, the damage has been done. And now they're like, I haven't seen my daughter in years, and this and that didn't happen, and now I'm upset with this man. But yeah, but you should be upset with yourself, because what were you, what were you after that you were willing just to give them over to this? That's your fault. Frustrated, pissing yourself through it with many sorrows because you're not after godliness and contentment. And what did we say contentment was? That's that's your sufficiency in Christ. What the Lord has delivered to me in Christ is more than enough. There's nothing else that I need. I don't need what the world says is riches. Because when you, this, this particular artist, oh, he made money in his day. He's probably running out of it in hell with all these court cases. But he made money in his day. And as soon as they saw it, their eyes lit up. Money signs, money signs. Uh, and, oh, he wants my daughter? And you don't even know what he wanted her for. Comes out used and abused. And you don't see not one red cent. And neither do that. Pissing yourself through with many sorrows. But we said that great gain, it's not earthly gain that secure your wants, but it's righteousness to give you what you need. The first fruits. So we have to have the mentality of Paul. What did he say in Philippians? I can be abased. I can abound. I can be full. I can be hungry. But I can do all things through Christ. See, with him I can make it. With him I can take it. Because my sufficiency is found in Christ. And we said those sorrows, the things they pierce themselves through, they choke the word right out of you. Become unfruitful. And if, listen, if the tree is no good, the fruit, your seed, your children, your wife, they're on, it's no good either. It's unfruitful. It's rotten. Because you allow the deceitfulness and the lust and the riches of the world to choke the word right out of you. And what did it say in Timothy? It says you become, you, you, you walk into destruction and perdition. And what is perdition? Disobedience. You walk in disobedience. And if you disobey God and you're not doing His will, then you're not of His family. You're not following the pattern. You're not a child of God. See, that's what the deceitfulness of riches does. It chokes it, it, chokes it right out of you. Uh, look at that word perdition. That, that refers to those who have denied God. 
disobedient. So we have to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because true righteousness brings that contentment. It brings that sufficiency found in Christ. And we also said that a man without the knowledge of purpose is lazy. And what do we say laziness is? It's a slow, comfortable path to self-destruction. I said that laziness, that's the wear and tear on families, families of today. And we're comfortable with it because we're lazy. I gave us a, an analogy, right? We I talked about a car that could be in a, you know, you can have an, an, a car wreck and be instantly total. But if you have a car that you, let's say you, you never get in a car wreck, but you don't keep up with it, you don't get the oil changed, you don't rotate the tires, you don't do anything to it. Well, trust me, over that long period of time, guess what? It's going to be totaled out too. That's what laziness is. You don't have to do a thing to reach that total state. That's laziness. A slow, comfortable path to, to that same destruction. Just using up your resources until they're gone. And then I asked that question, can a lazy person be proud? And I said, you know, there's a saying, poor but proud. And remember what I'm talking about when I say poor, because, you know, I'm not talking about what the world calls wealthy. I'm talking about the Lord's riches. I'm talking about his righteousness. And according to God's word, a person that is poor or lacks righteousness is because he's proud. Uh, you're not seeking after the counsel that God has for you. See, that's a humble person. Not only hearing the counsel, but no, I'm seeking after it. I get up and go get it oh, at Family Life on Sunday mornings, 845. Instead of making excuses. Oh, we were up late last night. Oh, my car won't be... I, I don't have enough gas. Oh, you had enough gas to do whatever you wanted to do. It's, it's, it's talking about... Because you plan to do what you want to do. You purpose to do what you want to do. Or blame your children. That, that's one excuse that really gets up under my skin. Because what, what does it say in Psalms 120? Children are a heritage of the Lord and you start blaming the heritage of the Lord. When in actuality, you leave your children home and they be sitting here asleep or doing whatever you're doing and then you're doing your own thing. Mills, you have to work. Dressing and keeping is a daily thing. It never stops. You don't get a break from that. If you want a break, you should not have gotten to family. That's why I said, you know, some, some people are ready for heaven, but you're not ready for family if you're not chasing after God's purpose. And I did want, I said I wanted to clear up about works. It, works is not, we're not talking about works under salvation. We're talking about works that help you grow. Because we all know salvation comes by faith in Christ alone. But if you want to grow, you're going to have to work. Plain and simple. You become an overcomer when you work. Because you grow. If you're too lazy to work at overcoming things, you may be in God's kingdom. Like, like I said, you may, you may be going to heaven, but you're not ready for family. You're not ready for purpose. You're not ready for the call that he has for us. He sets the pattern. And he wants us, his children, to grow and wax strong in the spirit. 
But like I said before, it's a it's a gradual thing. He doesn't find he doesn't find us ready for it when we get there, but we we learn and grow into this. That's the see, that's the work on your part. We grow into what Christ is on a day to day basis. We said the fathers, in, in order to help your family grow, what you what do you need to do? You have to teach them the word. And when I say teach them the word, certain things like when you when you leave here today, you need to ask them what did you what did you learn today? What stood out to you? I ask your wife the same thing. See, because they need to be able to recap. Well, they're just memorizing it. Yeah, well, the more they repeat it, the more they... See, that's why it's line upon line and precept upon precept. In these five weeks, if you were to go back and listen to these messages, very little new information is added on to the end because it's line upon line. We have to go back through it from the beginning again all the way through because it's line upon line. You don't want not one step to be missed because that one is line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. I haven't said nothing new today yet. Because it's line upon line. That's how you learn. That's how you get it. And then you teach your family. It's line upon line. That means I don't ask them one time what they learned and let it go. We need to sit here for a while. Because we need to grow. That's work. That's washing them with the water of the word. Call Bible studies in your house instead of just movie night. See, we can, we can schedule our fun times around what the world says is fun. But I'm here to tell you the Word of God is fun. It's fun to see a family on purpose. It's a good thing. Guess what? That movie is going to be there. That restaurant is going to be there. And all those times... See, that's what you... Can you ask, do yourself a favor and ask your child, when's the, or ask yourself, don't ask your child, when's the last time you sat down with them and talked with them about the Word? And made sure they had an understanding. Uh, ask yourself the same thing that you've done. Have you done that with your wives? Uh, that should be a daily thing. Just like you have your daily ritual, that should be a daily ritual. The Word of God with your family. I said the teaching of the greatness in the kingdom of God is measured by humility. And I gave a reference for that in Matthew 18. I'm not going to go through there again, but know this about humility. Fathers, you need to show your family that you're able to take correction and accept it and receive it. And don't murmur and, com- and complain about it after the fact. Because then you wonder why they murmur and complain when you, give them, when you give them something to do. Because they've watched you with your authority. I've never told them to do what I say and not as I do, but have you showed them that? Teach them that violence and argument and contention is not God's way. I love how Minister Martin took us to Luke 9 last week. When the, you know, the, when the, Samari- the, uh, the, the one in Samaria went and received Jesus. And the, and the, uh, the disciples were like, can we, can we be like Elijah and call down the fire? And It's his mercy and kindness. It's his goodness that touches the heart of man. That's what makes the difference. Teach your children and your wives that. Uh, in your actions. Because when you can't get a response out of them, check and see if you've been showing them mercy and kindness and goodness. Uh, what did he say in Matthew? He said, I, I, 
I will have mercy, not sacrifice. I didn't come to call the righteous. He said, the teaching that your words are powerful. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, you know what that goes to? That goes to your manner of life. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example in word, in conversation. Word and conversation are two different things. That conversation there is your manner of life. That's your conduct. Teach them that. There was a conduct that Jesus Christ had, a pattern that Christ had. Teach them that. Teach them to honor God with their heart, not, not just their lips. Teach them that if you're under this roof, like I said, as for me and my house, your wife, she's taking on your last name, as for this house, I, listen, I know where you came from, but get thee out of the country and from thy kindred, because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. See, God has called you to that because He knows you and He knows you to command your children in His ways. See, because, and, 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 and with that attitude, in these shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now we said that a man with the knowledge of purpose, and now we're going to get into some new information with ten minutes left. That a man without the knowledge of purpose is, we said they're frustrated, distracted, lazy, and you know what? We could keep going on. Like I said, they're abusive, they're insecure. But it all boils down to one thing. They're fearful. And it's amazing. It's a specific type of fear. And the Bible calls it out too. But let me give you a definition of fear here real quick. Fearful is a great feeling of being afraid. It's dwelling on those feelings to the point of anxiety, which breeds impulsive action. I'm going to say that again. It's a great feeling of being afraid. It's dwelling on those feelings to the point of anxiety, which breeds impulsive action. One more time. It's a great feeling of being afraid. It's dwelling on those feelings to the point of anxiety, which breeds impulsive action. It's not just being scared, because everyone has reservations, reservations about things. Everybody has what they call their fears and what they're scared of. But like I said, this is a specific fear. And this fear is the main tool that Satan used to, uses to keep the male captive. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 2. And we went here actually probably back on the first week of, of my portion of family life where we were talking about the everlasting father. We're going to go here again. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 14 through 15. And I said it was a specific type of fear. So I'm going to read here. It says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. See, it ultimately boils down to what the scriptures call the fear of death. I didn't say the fear of dying. I said the fear of death. See, Satan uses this fear of death to enslave man to his will. And when you lack the knowledge of purpose and operate out of, out of that fear, you'll make choices based on self-preservation. Choices based on survival. 
rather than choices based on the will of God. You make choices based on, oh, I just need to get by, I just need to make it, I just need to cope. Instead of choices based on, I'm living for Christ. Ask yourself this, don't you know that God takes care of his seed? Don't you know that? Let's go to one of my favorite scriptures here. And I might have to end with this. Psalms chapter 34. And really, just read this whole chapter. But I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm probably going to start. Let's see. Let me get there and see where we're going to start. Psalm 34. I'm going to start at verse... Yes. Verse 4. And I'm reading this because God does take care of his seed and he's gonna, we're going to address the type of fear you should have. It's not the fear of, the, of death. So verse 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his trouble. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. See, that's the fear right there. It's called the fear of the Lord. Uh, and then, then it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that takes refuge in him. Uh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, see, who fear him lack nothing. Then it says, The lion may grow weak and hungry. It may suffer lack. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And I have to stop there because I had to think about, you know, when I was reading through that, the lion, right? Why did he bring up the lion? He grows weak and hungry. And so, me, myself, I turned on the National Geographic and I started watching lions. And I do that anyway. I do. I learned that from my father. I do that anyway because you can learn a lot of things. You know, nature speaks of God's heart too, right? It speaks of God's heart too. So I just started watching the lions and, you know, I saw how they would hunt. And sometimes they have a certain percentage. It's like 25% of the time, even a little bit less than that, that they actually have a successful hunt. And if they miss it, they'll run themselves to the brink of death trying to get something, trying to, trying to survive because it's scared of death. Because there's a, it's, it gets real self-preservish, if you will. That's how the fear of death works. I, I saw, it's amazing that I saw this one yesterday. I chose just the right one. But there was this one lion who got so hungry, one of the children started hanging back, and the, she, she pulled the child off of herself and ate the child. Uh, that's passing your children through the fire. Willing to sacrifice your children because you have that fear of death. Oh, they said that they're going to do this? Money signs, money signs. Send them there, and here it is years later. And you're reaping, you're reaping what you've sown. See, the lion may grow weak and hungry, but those who fear the Lord lack no good thing. What is the fear of the Lord? It's a love, a respect, and honor for the Lord. Uh, it's obedience to, to the Lord. Submission to the Lord and to His purpose. Job 28 says, The fear of the Lord, that's wisdom. To depart from evil is understanding.
What does it say here in verse 13? You're talking about fearing the Lord. Verse 13 it says, Keep thy tongue from evil then. And thy lips from, thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace. Because uh, peace is conducive for purpose. And guess what? Uh, if you're walking on purpose, you're going to have peace. You see how that works together? The, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. Remember, remember the great gain that he's talking about is righteousness, and the eyes of the Lord is o- are open to the righteous. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. To cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them all out of their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. Uh, empty yourself of you. Make of yourself no re- reputation. He saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. And this is one of my absolute favorites of the scriptures of the Bible. Verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the, the, Lord, the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Uh, those that fear the Lord. Ye his saints, for those that fear him lack nothing. You gotta remember that no matter what you're going through with Christ, the end is always life, and he's the captain of your salvation. He listen, death has with Christ, death wears your victory. Christ can teach you the lesson of faith in the midst of your trials and your struggles, because he is the pattern for every man. I can guarantee you, these trials and tribulations, they're going to come. Guaranteed. But the lesson is to never give up. It's to stand. To continue. Cast all your cares. Endure. Sufficiency found in Christ. Godliness and contentment. That equals great gain. Because I have a hope. I have a purpose. Christ makes me strong. And I want you to write this down. I'm not going to go here, but in Matthew 19, verse 16 through 24, the rich young ruler, you want to know why he really wasn't willing to give up those riches? The fear of death. He got real self-preservish, didn't he? He said, I did all these things. Well, go sell all your things and, and come follow me. Ooh, I need these things, right? That's the fear of death. And, and it says in there, can the rich be saved? The rich can't. Anybody who trusts in anything but God, you've forsaken it. You've lost it. You allow the world to choke. You allow the world and its deceitful riches to, to choke it right out of you. And you you'll forfeit your salvation. In the salvation of your family. But those who follow after the pattern for every man, those who endure, those who forsake the flow of this world, those are the ones who can be saved. Those are the ones that are saved. But there's a constant effort to put off this temporal body, to put off the flesh and its desires, and put on what's eternal. That means we have to walk in the Spirit. And understand this. Your strength to overcome and endure is built in your service. It's built in to that walking in the Spirit. Your strength will come. You know, so, 
me and my brother when we were younger, we used to have a personal trainer, right? And he had these things called resistance bands. And my goodness, those resistance bands were serious. You know, and, you know, we're all focused on, let's just pull it forward, pull it forward. He's talking about, and he said, well, you know, your strength is not built in until you face that resistance. When you come down back low. And that's the thing we have to remember. You, you want to you, you build strength and grow in your family? Get ready to face that resistance. That's the only way you can grow. Don't run from the resistance. Face it head on. Because there's going to always be resistance. And the, the enemy is just looking for, for one thing that will pull you away and you ah, I give up. I can't fight against that. When you don't have to fight against none, all you have to do is lean on the everlasting arm of the Lord. Let him fight your battles. Just give up what you deem important. You know what that's called? Sacrifice. You know, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless, nevertheless I live, yet not I. For Christ liveth in me. If you want your family and your wife to have faith in you, give yourself up. For them. You have to put your ego on the altar. Put your jobs on the altar. Put your prestige on the altar. Put your money on the altar. Put your desires and your wants on the altar. Remember, God's ordained and given a pattern for every... For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. He's given a pattern for every man. The male needs to keep that pattern of faith, love, endurance. Sounds like faith, hope, and love, right? Faith, love, endurance, service. Continue to wash your family with the water of the word. Because that brings life. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Remember that your children are a heritage of the Lord. Uh, that fear, faith trumps fear every time. That fear, work on your faith. And how does faith come? By hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Uh, hearing, and let me tell you this, receiving it. Don't be lazy. Receive, seek the counsel and receive it. So that your family can be on purpose. This is the pattern and the direction for every man. And it's important that the man know how God has positioned him. Amen? And you can be dismissed. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.